hundreds of heads of cattle. Knightstown, Indiana. Remember years ago when we were with Winthrop and we were in the Ozarks and you told me they were underwhelming? <laughs> what were your expectations for Knightstown, Indiana, and were they exceeded? Yes, they were exceeded, Dave. Knightstown, Indiana, it is home of the old Knightstown High School gym, better known as the Hoosier Gym. That's the gym where they filmed the movie Hoosiers. The movie was made, it was produced and acted in in 1985. It was released in 1986. Everybody knows that it was starring Gene Hackman and Dennis Hopper. Barbara Hershey had a great cast, but it tells a great story loosely based on the 1954 Milan High School team. Now, back in those days, it was, you know, basically one division. Everybody competed in the same division, so this was the small school beating the much larger school. Now, that team had more talent than the team in the movie did. Of course, the movie took some... Um... It's every great sports story. Yeah. It's the Cinderella. It's the underdog. It's the little guy. And yeah, it happened in real life. It didn't happen quite the way it happened in the movie, but it was... It's a great movie, and it's a fun place to go, and it's just the most recent of what has been a action-packed day and a half for us. The last time we did a podcast, we were a couple hours into our trip to... Well, it was really an hour and a half ago, but some dummy forgot to hit record, and that's eh, me. You know, it <laughs> happens. The, the, the last podcast that actually got published was, was done early in day one of our trip to Indianapolis. And by the time we're done with this podcast, we will be just about to our destination where Winthrop will play Villanova in the NCAA tournament on Friday. But yesterday we essentially had a Pat Kelsey-centric day. We spent the day in Cincinnati. We visited with his dad, Mike, and we saw the family car dealership, and we went to some of Pat's favorite restaurants. This morning, we got a tour of the Great American Ballpark, and we stopped by Elder High School, and it, it's been a lot of fun. And, and the thing that is so neat about it is Coach Kelsey texted me last night and just said, how did it go? Yeah. How, how was it? And he is so proud of yes. where he comes from and of his people. And we met several of them. And, hey, he's prepping for one of the biggest games he's ever been involved in as a head coach. And Winthrop has a legitimate chance to beat Villanova. But he cares that his city comes off in a positive light. And we enjoy the places and the things and the smells and the sounds that are his home. And I... I think it's been a rousing success. I, I, I have enjoyed the trip thoroughly. Well, and, you know, the kind of the peeling back the onion on the story a little bit. I mean, he, he kind of was very involved in, quote-unquote, helping produce this trip for us. You know, he, he his, uh, one of his friends is uh, the, the, one of the chief financial officers for the Reds, and uh, his wonderful uh, co-worker and assistant, Tina, gave us a great tour this morning. And uh, another uh, friend... Jim Dolph from Charlotte had some friends with the Montgomery Inn, so we got a nice reservation, great dinner with Mike Kelsey at the Boathouse Montgomery Inn last night. That was fantastic. Uh, and we got to see uh, Joe Schoenfeld, who uh, coached Pat at Elder and later uh, has become a very close friend, confidant, uh, you know, in a, just a big part of Pat's life. And to see, you know, the Elder and the Kelsey Chevrolet dealership talking with Mike and, uh, 
it, it's really been just a really fun, fun experience. Not to mention the food, because we always like to oh, have yeah. good food. We had the, the rack of ribs, the half rack of ribs, the Montgomery Inn. That they're... Wait a minute, I got a slogan. The Bearded Car Cast. Eating their way across America yeah. watching basketball. I mean, it's pretty accurate. I mean, this morning... Will it fit on a, will it fit on a bumper sticker? Yeah. This morning, we had chili at... <laughs> 10.30 in the morning? 10.45? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's almost 4 o'clock. Can we grab a blue plate, blue plate special somewhere? Uh, when you Zoom with Villanova basketball coach Jay Wright from 10.15 to 10.25, yeah. you got to eat some chili after yeah. that. <laughs> so we ate our Skyline yeah, we chili. we really built up an appetite talking yeah. to Jay. Hey, we ate our Skyline chili before 11. What do you do after that? Ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we had some Grater's ice cream. And, and these are the play the hits. I mean, they, yeah. these are the Pat Kelsey favorites. And and it was fun. I mean, the, the thing, though, that about the trip, and we can go into the Great American Ballpark. It's a beautiful new facility. But let's be honest. Basically, all of the new baseball parks that have been built since Camden Yards yeah are great because they're building the middle of a city and they recognize the history of the team and they fit and they're cool and they're a place you want to go. They're not like the old ballparks, the old Cincinnati ballpark, the old ballpark in uh, Pittsburgh, you know, just kind of these metropolitan multi-sport venues that didn't have any personality or character. And all of these places we went, the ballpark and Elder High School and Kelsey Chevrolet, the, the thread that ties them together is how passionate the people of Cincinnati are, particularly the Kelsey family, and how community-based and just, just reverence they have for the area, the things in the area, the people it, it is a community, and I know you and I talked about this because we already recorded this once, but uh, we, we talked about Charlotte, and we yeah. both like living in Charlotte, right. and I live in what I think is our super cool neighborhood tucked in the corner of uptown Charlotte, but it is still largely people that moved from the West Coast, right. the Northeast, the Midwest, in Cincinnati, it just feels like everyone is from Cincinnati. Well, to me, that's something that you see in a lot of cities across the country. I will reference just my personal experience, and I think you see that a lot in the Northeast Corridor as well, like with Philadelphia and New York City. Of course, my hometown of Boston, you know, where I grew up in, in greater Boston, Boston geographically is not very big. I mean, square mile-wise, Boston as a, a city isn't that big. In fact, They've had to expand a little bit. And when I say, you know, a while ago, I mean, it was in the 1600s, 1700s, <laughs> that they were kind of able to, you know, fill in some some river and some swamps to, to make the back bay. But, you know, essentially it is what it is. And so the, the suburbs have kind of really expanded kind of the base of, of Boston, if you will. And But that's the, I guess that's the sense of, well, you, you have a lot of friends from, from my part of the woods. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of people from Boston are very prideful. And it's not just the sports, but that's a big part of it. It's the food. It's you know, it's the the religion and the, the camaraderie and your friends and you, you know where you went to high school and college and stuff like that. So I, I totally relate to that because I think that's something that that, that that we have. You know, where I grew up. Now I can't speak to where you went to high school. I, I don't think I've ever been there. 
but I can speak to where I went and to a large number of high schools that I've visited over many, many years. They are kind of their own building, set in their own address, in their own area. Elder High School, where Pat transferred to and played his senior year, is nestled in a community. Yeah. It has been there for a hundred years. It's in a neighborhood. It's in a, it's in a neighborhood. And that is so cool. And that West Cincinnati, the West Side, as they call it, people just don't move out of there. That That's, you know, Kyle Rudolph went to Elder, the, the yeah. football player, and he's given money to help them kind of retrofit and, and make the, the weight room really nice. Beautiful. And, like, you can just tell that, like, it means so sure. much to everyone around there. It is talked about in reverent sort of ways and it's it's neat because it's not like new and fancy it is old and nostalgic but they've done such a good job with yeah. it well you know Dave where I grew up you know it's very similar I mean you see not just the Catholic or parochial or private schools nestled in the neighborhoods but really you know that's where you know I mean when you think about before you know cars and buses uh, you know people went to school in their neighborhoods yep. and, and really neighborhoods were built around schools and around town centers and city centers and you know then with the uh, you know the, the, the advent of the train which really has opened up great parts of America many parts many parts of America but in all seriousness uh, you know with the increase uh, in different modes of transportation that has kind of changed things and I think one big difference between Charlotte where, where we live now um, in Boston, in Cincinnati, you know, some parts of San Francisco, you know, you name it, Philadelphia. You know, a lot of those cities are cities that were, you know, founded, you know, whether it was the 1600s, 1700s, early mid 1800s, and so you know, the boom of transportation. And I would I would use World War II as kind of like the the real explosion of transportation. I mean, yeah, the Model T in the early 1900s did really you know give mobility to people, but it wasn't until after World War II when you know, the GIs came home, and the sailors, and the Marines, and, um, you know, the baby boom, and highways, the, you know, the Eisenhower interstate system, and, you know, there was really kind of a, uh, a move against more public transportation, like buses and trains, uh, and more so, you know, gearing our economy to the car, which moved people out to the suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's interesting, the people that we met. Yeah. And the people that we probably have spent the most time with, aside from you and I being in a car for <laughs> who knows how many hours, but we spent a lot of time with Coach Kelsey's dad, Mike. Yes. And we spent a lot of time with Joe Schoenfeld, yeah. who is his high school basketball coach, but now one of his very, very good friends yeah. and, and trusted people in his life. And it's so interesting because they are very different not necessarily in a value system, but in a demeanor. Mm. Coach Kels is energetic, and his dad echoes that. You can see when we were talking about Kelsey Chevrolet yeah. and the people that work there and the family nature that they go about things and how this has been maybe not a 50-year goal, but a very appropriate end to a long career of feeding the family and doing the right thing and, and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, but, but also but also building a foundation yes. for the next, not just the next generation, yes. but future generations. No question. Yeah. So Coach Kelsey and his dad 
really share that yeah. that passion and that that very very wear your emotions on your sleeve. Joe Schoenfeld, very good friend of Coach Kelsey, yeah. who Coach Kelsey played for, he is a calm, cool customer. Yeah, yeah he is. You know, in you know, a teacher, and he he played at Elder, uh, and, and you could see why. Uh, you know, students would gravitate toward him. You know, really he's gentle. Yeah, really nice and very supportive. And yeah, he was. I tell you what, Elder reminded me of a lot of. Now I didn't go to a Catholic high school. I didn't go to a Catholic college, but that's a different, a whole different set of architecture. But March Madness, we saw the March Madness sign. Just um, a sign on the side of the road, like you would see a yeah. sign for uh, yield or a sign. And then there's for, a giant pumpkin on the other side of the road. It says Lark Ranch. Ranch. Yeah. Um, but Elder reminded me a lot of. You know, kind of the older traditional style schools that were were built in the Northeast. You know, this is you know, I, Ohio's not really Northeast; it's more you know Midwest. But 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 you know, some of the people that settled in Ohio came. You know, when they first came to the country, they may have migrated from the from the Northeast or from Philadelphia. You know, the Mid Atlantic. But that, that architectural style, you know, Elder kind of looks. It's um, it looked not military, but it looked kind of like fortressy, uh, and. You know, and the gym was kind of built into the ground a little bit. They call it the pit, which is really kind of a, not a play on words, but it's kind of a, they kind of did something very similar with the football stadium, uh, which is kind of cool because Pat told us the story of a couple of elder grads that actually bought a, a couple of houses across the street, from, like literally, you know, butting up again, across the street against the stadium, and that's where they, uh, they'll go and have, hang out and tailgate for games. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a community, it's a family, and that that's so... Neat. The other thing that I thought was interesting, you know, were and I think your your uh, California is very like a lot of places are, are like this, but in uh, at least in Ohio or at least in Cincinnati, the Catholic schools are by territory. Uh, so in other words, it's it's kind of like public schools everywhere. You you go to that school that's in your neighborhood and you you're in a zone. And what Pat told us that, or uh, what Mike told us that was very interesting was that and this will come. If we tell this story, it'll be relatable, too. Uh, the only way you can go to a different Catholic school in Cincinnati is to actually physically move into that district or into that section. And that's what was so interesting about... Coach Kelsey always talks about Elder. I've never heard him talk no. about anything other than yeah. Elder and Xavier. Once in a blue moon, maybe he'll mention his one year at New, at, uh, at Wyoming. Yeah. But... He only went to Elder his senior year, and he was the one that prompted his family to move. And yeah. he just, I, I don't want to say he sensed it, but he just knew, whether it be from a basketball perspective or a life perspective, that was important. And his family, and his dad was staunchly against yeah. the decision, and now would concede yeah. that it's the best thing that could have ever happened. Well, and to kind of fill in the backstory, um, it was Bacon, something Bacon. I forget the first part of that, but uh, but that was the school that Mike Kelsey went to. You know, he was an athlete. Uh, he had a perfect attendance record. Um, you know, and then of course he went to Xavier, and so you know, again, you know, that's where where Pat went. And Pat came to them and told them, and Mike was like, "Nope, you know, you, know, you can leave the room now." And then you know they talked about it, and, uh, you know, and then Mrs. Kelsey basically said, "We're moving." Yeah. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. They won a state title at Elder. And now, I mean, I don't even know how many Kelseys have gone through there, but it seems to be a very sizable number. Oh, right, right, right. Well, it, it, you know, Pat's, uh, like, 
nephews and nieces and right. obviously his brothers and I think one of his sisters too. Yeah, it's a great, you know, it's it really is. I said this to him, you know, when we talked yesterday, you know, that they really are the embodiment of the, the American dream. You know, they, they've, you know, you know, each generation has kind of helped support and elevate the next generation. And that's kind of, and you can see the foundation of that with, um, with Pat and his brothers and sisters and what they're doing for the, the next generation of Kelsey's. Before we got to Cincinnati, though, we had to drive through Kentucky. Yes, one of your favorite places, Corbin, Kentucky. It is. Well, I don't know if Corbin <laughs> specifically is one of my favorite places, but I like a place where their great passions are horse racing and college basketball. Yeah, we have a slowdown going the other direction. It's like a major police accident. There's about 10 cars, 10 police cars. Maybe it was an accident. I don't know. I didn't see what happened. I'm more accustomed to the police being on my side <laughs> of the road. That's right, that's so right. I'm, well, it's better off being over yeah, there. I, but it really was a confluence of four things that you like, right? So it's food, it's basketballs, or basketball, it's trains, and horse racing. Right. And we were we, we made a stop to see a train, but we really stopped. But it, but it had a basketball element it did. to it. We stopped in Corbin, Kentucky because it was on the way, and there were two easy peasy good stories but interesting to tell. stories. Absolutely. Colonel Sanders, Harlan Sanders, started KFC in Corbin, Kentucky. And they've put together a little museum and they've got a KFC, a working KFC right there. They've done some nice things outside with some plaques and some statues and stuff like that. And it's a really good story. But in that same city, Corbin, Kentucky, right generally in the same era that Sanders had KFC rolling, there was a great basketball player, a, a legendary basketball player. Frank Selvey grew up in Corbin. He was six feet tall as a sophomore in high school. Really, really good player. Maybe the best player in the state, but no one was really abundantly interested in having him come to their college because he was so little. Well, he accepted early a scholarship offer to Furman, a long way away from, from Kentucky. And by the time he was 6'3", 6'4", as a senior, Kentucky wanted him and Western Kentucky wanted him. And, and he said, no, I'm going to honor my commitment to Furman. And he became an All-American, eventually the number one draft pick and a good, not great, but a, a good NBA player. But he's best known for scoring 100 points in a game at Furman, only player in the Division I basketball history to score 100 in a game. And it just so happened it took place when... Basically, the entire city of Corbin had ventured to Greenville. They took the train on what they called Frank Selvey Day at Furman. Yeah, and great. his mom and a whole group of people took that long train ride and, and got to see him score 100 points. He threw in a 40-footer at the buzzer, a two-pointer, because there were no threes. And, and it was kind of neat being in Corbin. I mean, it's it's exactly what you think. It's a small town. Well, and, the, and then the story of um, Harlan Sanders... You know, he was a he was in the army in the I'd say it was like the mid teens, uh, right before World War One. Got out, you know, he kind of done different things, uh, entrepreneurial, and, and he ended up with a gas station. He started selling chicken uh, outside, had like you know three or four tables, and then he moved into um, another store, like next door, another restaurant next door. And this is where the story really gets interesting. After about I don't know. 10 or 12 years they built a bypass in Corbin and so all the traffic that used to go through town was now uh, he wasn't getting the foot traffic that he was right doing. I mean he, he thought he was going to go out of business right 
So he does this really remarkable thing. He goes on the road with his recipes, and you know, Colonel Sanders, it's the finger looking good, and it's the 11 herbs and spices and the, the secret recipe, but I think he was also revolutionary in how he actually cooked the chicken. So he took both of those, the recipe and, and how he cooked it, and went on the road, and that later became the basis for what's now, you know, a, a, an iconic fast food brand, and it all started in Harlan, Kentucky. One of my friends texted me yesterday and said, so did he get the recipe? <laughs> they did not. Well, they weren't, the museum wasn't open. The museum wasn't open, but there was plenty of material outside, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, that, 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 that was fine. That was fine. And, and then, you know, so we, we did Corbin, Kentucky, and then we spent a long time in Cincinnati. We had a great trip. We really kind of got to the soul of the Kelsey's. And that was so interesting and fun. And now we're, you know, 20 minutes from Indianapolis. And we stopped at the Hoosiers gym. And that, that's just such a piece of Americana to, to do. A couple things I did want to say about the Hoosier gym uh, that I thought was spectacular. First of all, you walk into that building and it takes you back as if you were walking into a gym in the 1950s. I mean, it's beautifully restored. And what's interesting is, because we walked in and I was like, wow, they've done a great job of capturing the history. I think it was uh, late 80s, maybe early 90s. It was on the scrap heap. Like, it was about to be, um, they were about to, you know, they they had a couple plans. They were either going to think about renovating it, tear it down, or turn into something else. One of the options was a parking lot. Yeah, they were going to turn, uh, break, uh, tear down. With all due lot. respect to that small town, they don't really need a parking right. lot. So some of the people in town kind of had a, a really neat idea. They said, wait a minute, why don't we use this as kind of an attraction to get people into town? And I think they, they, they the town bought it for a dollar and they get a little bit of, uh, or, uh, or the, the, I think the, the historical society, whatever, got it for like a dollar and they get a little bit of money from the from the town, but the rest of it is all on donations and you know buying T-shirts and stuff like that. It's gotten to the point, Dave, where people, uh, kids, high school kids, whether it's boys or girls, uh, they come from all over to play in games in this gym, and they've started this tradition. Uh, and it happened with one, the, you know, the first game where this happened was one of the teams signed their jersey. Everybody signed a jersey, and they left it hanging up in the locker. And then the next thing you know, the next team that came in, well, they saw that and they did it, and now they have you know all these different jerseys hanging up teams that have come through and the, uh, I'll let you tell this story uh, they also have an all-star game that really I think it's been about 16 or 17 years but there's been some what 12 NBA players and it's, played that it's good players it's Gordon Haywood it's Etwan Moore it's Greg Oden it's Robbie Hummel I mean these are the best of the best high school basketball players in the state of Indiana and Indiana takes basketball really really seriously yeah um, I thought the other thing that was amazing is there were some artifacts in the in the gym that have been brought back. Yep. Uh, there was a, they were going to have an auction, and uh, a guy had the original frame team photo from the the, the Hickory team. Uh, it was actually in someone's uh, garage for 30 years. They decided they didn't want it anymore, and they thought it needed to go back to the Hoosier gym. Yep. And and then when they, they unveiled it on the night of an auction, nobody knew it was going to be there. Uh, they have the, the bus that was in the movie. That's been donated back, and they're in the process of kind of making that part of the exhibit. One of the actors, his family bought the signs that are on the stage, the Hickory Husker signs, and they thought that it belonged back in the gym. So it's, it really has become, I, I want to say restored, almost vintage. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's it did in the movie. Yeah. Coming up on the podcast, tomorrow we're going to play the full interview 
that we conducted with Chris Gaynor on Saturday. It's about a half hour or so. The former Winthrop Eagle, the uh, four-time Big South champion and a junior when Winthrop beat Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament, scored 1,000 career points. He scored those final couple of points in the NCAA tournament loss to Washington State his senior year. Some clips of it have come up on uh, Twitter and Winthrop has done some stuff with it, but I, I think fans would like to hear the whole thing. So we'll roll that out tomorrow for you to listen to. Chris Gaynor, one of our favorite people that's ever played at Winthrop, just a, a great guy, a great family, and a terrific basketball player, a, a point guard and a leader and a tenacious, tenacious competitor. Yes. Um, we'll play that tomorrow and then Friday, Maybe we'll do a little chalk talk. We'll, we'll really get into Winthrop and Villanova as Friday night the Eagles will play a first-round tournament game against the Wildcats, and, and we're looking we're looking forward to it. Yeah, this is exciting, and as each day gets closer, we've had a fun time already, but uh, the fun is still to come, and we hope you'll keep listening. This is, of course, listener-supported Bearded Cardcast. We are out of totes. We are thinking about creating the t-shirts and the bumper stickers. For $500, you can get the Bearded Carcast dual set DVD of season three, the full edition of season three with Dave's director's cuts. And we'll throw in some tacos. All the tacos you can eat. Beardedcarcast at Outlook.com is how you email us. If you have any restaurant suggestions while we're in Indianapolis for future topics of the show, just want to say hi. And don't forget to do this. Subscribe. Go to iTunes. Go to SoundCloud. The one Stitcher user, we need more than that. Double that by next week. Uh, so that's Beardedcarcast at Outlook.com. Follow us on Twitter at Beardedcarcast. It is 17 GMT.